The following podcast contains spoilers for The 39 Steps. You have been warned, see? Welcome back to another episode of KFR News Radio. This is your host, Glenjamin Burton, along with your host, uh, Miguel Magusto, you see. Hello, yeah. see. Ah, we're going to get you. Or, hello, governor. <laughs> we watched the film, innit? We did watch that film. <laughs> I can't explain the film. That was a terrible Scottish what accent. Say, Why did like, you let me do that? Sounded like a <laughs> horrid Canadian impression, if any. <laughs> the only thing I got right was canny. How the <laughs> Scottish people say canny instead of cannot, so... Well, besides the uh, the horrible accents that we're currently doing, how are you, Mike? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm living the Vita Loca, the choo-choo train. You know what I'm saying? I do know that what you're saying. To do. What is going on with this intro? <laughs> I, I Absolutely horrific. Let's just jump into what movies you watched last Absolutely. week. I'm sure it won't be that many. Um, was, well, the holiday season just kind of passed through us now, so we... Obviously, I'm sure both of us have watched a handful of Christmas films, like It's a Wonderful Life, Elf, yada, yada. <laughs> Getting past all that, the only new movie that I've watched is The Midnight Sky with uh, the director. I'm pretty sure it's directed by George Clooney. It is. He, he definitely stars in it. It's the new Netflix uh, movie that just came out yeah, pretty recently. I believe he adapted the script as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. That. And uh, I watched that on uh, Christmas Eve, going into uh, going into Christmas. Uh, that was really cool. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, at, at least for you know a movie going into midnight to the to the new holiday yeah. of Christmas, that was fun. Uh, I just checked; he did not write it, but he definitely directed it. How um, dare! Yeah, I also watched this one too, so we can kind of go into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I enjoyed it, but I was yeah. disappointed by it. Um, yeah that's only because my expectations were so high i think i think he's an underrated director honestly Mm -hmm. mainly because he's known for acting and uh, i just expected more from this but it it was a solid film yeah i think uh i think as far as the looks and everything went i think it looked pretty good um it was kind of in a certain state i mean i just put this movie to be honest to just watch but to pass the time because i wasn't tired um but uh, I had no expectations of this movie, so like it, it didn't yeah. like blow me away or anything. The one thing I'll say, and I'm going to say this, uh, skip ahead like 30 seconds if you don't want any spoilers. This isn't going to contain spoilers, but it, mm-hmm. it m- might give too much away than most people want. The film presents itself as one thing, and then there is a twist at the end. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish the thing it presented itself was was true, and it didn't have the twist. I feel yeah. like it would have been a more interesting story if it were that case. Um, that's not to say that what happens is not interesting, but it's just kind of like there's less stakes. But yeah, uh, yeah that's that's all I got to say about that. It was beautifully shot, though. I thought the cinematography was great. Uh, the spaceship design was c- pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, for, for the most part, it was it was it wasn't bad. It was kind of a little longer than you. Or like you felt like you were there longer than. It actually were. Yeah. Um, but I will take any movie that has Kyle Chandler in it. Thank you, dear Lord. Even though he didn't have that big of a role, I enjoyed it. He was a pretty cool role, though. I, yeah. I enjoyed his. But him and uh, D- uh, Demian Bashir mm-hmm. both had really cool roles that I uh, feel like didn't get enough screen time. Um, but other than that, that's all I watched, Mike. I know you're about to kick in the hyperdrive here in a second. So let's. Yeah. For, for the last time, it, probably, just because I, uh, I have hit my marker. 
Mm-hmm. So anything after the tenth movie of these twelve is just kind of additions. Yeah. Uh, so the first movie I watched last week was Badlands, uh, Terrence Malick film. I believe it's his first film. If not, it's one of his first ones. It's from the seventies. Uh, honestly, before I uh, I spent all Wednesday, uh, the the day before Christmas Eve, watching Terrence Malick movies because they're <laughs> they're all on Criterion Channel. Yeah. Um, a little history of me and Terrence Malick. Uh, in two thousand eleven. Tree of Life was my most anticipated movie of the year. And I had not seen any Terrence Malick uh, to that point, and no one warned me what Terrence Malick was like. Uh, so when I watched it, I was extremely disappointed because I was hoping for just the straightforward drama and was given yeah. this opera with a 45-minute segment of, of <laughs> space and dinosaurs. I still don't like Tree of Life. I'm going to revisit it at some point, especially after this week, just to see if I change my attitude about it. Mm-hmm. But I, I hated Tree of Life. Then I watched To the Wonder, uh, which is another one of his movies with Ben Affleck. That one is okay. Still, would I'll probably never watch that one, even though I know what Terrence Malick's like now. Yeah. And I avoided Terrence Malick until this year or last year. I can't remember. Time is a blur. Time is a construct. <laughs> it's just a construct yeah, at this but point. His, his movie that was released last year that I'm pretty sure I saw last year called A Hidden Life. Uh, I saw that. It's a, about this uh, German farmer who rejects uh, Nazism and... Um, you know, just kind of his internal struggle of whether he should fight for country or stick to his guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. It's still, like, not quite my thing, but I enjoyed it more than anything else I saw of his. So until this week, Terrence Malick and I were not on good standing. Then I watched <laughs> Badlands, and I loved Badlands. Badlands is fantastic. It's okay. his best movie. Uh, it's got Martin Sheen in it um, and Sissy Spacek. Uh, it's kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde type movie where they're on the run from the law and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely well done. Ending is a little bit weak, if I do say so, but it's overall a solid film. Okay. I followed that up with his uh, 1978 film, Days of Heaven, with a young Richard Greer who still had gray hair, but it wasn't quite as gray as it is now. Yeah, he's been rocking it for a little <laughs> bit now. <laughs> and uh, also has Brooke Adams, who we'll know for, uh, from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is about this essentially these laborers uh i believe it's like at 1901 is the year they travel the country just looking for work and they're they're romantically involved but because that was frowned upon traveling with someone you're not married to back then they tell people they're brother and sister which Mm -hmm. makes everyone think they're kind of incestuous oh and then things happen i wouldn't know why (laughs) yeah things happen and it's a really solid film i didn't quite like it quite as much as badlands but it's still a really solid film, beautiful cinematography. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, I followed that up with The New World, the Colin Farrell, uh, John Smith, Pocahontas film. Um, And honestly, I think this film is probably lends itself best to his style. Uh, If you're not aware uh, or familiar with Terrence Malick, he rarely shows dialogue spoken on screen. It's always like voiceover and just wandering through the scenes and everything. You don't really see people talk, um, which a lot of people like. I think it's kind of pretentious, and I hate the voiceover in general. I think the only movie of his I've actually seen is Tree of Life. Yeah, um, but I feel like it worked. It really worked for the new world. And in the 70s, he didn't do it quite as much as he does now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the new world, I feel like that style really lent itself well to the new world because there's a language barrier. So like for the majority of the film the two opposing sides don't really 
understand each other. Mm-hmm. And then he also didn't do it quite as much because you do see people converse on screen. There are full scenes where you see people talk. Um, look, but look he's he's just abandoned that now. Now it's just like d- dreams and voiceovers. <laughs> um, which we is, all have a couple of those yeah, from time yeah, really. to time. Uh, but yeah, so my opinion of him has since turned around just from that one day. Mm. Uh, who knows if it will continue going that way. I'm going to watch uh, Thin Red Line eventually and then rewatch Tree of Life and maybe see some of his newer films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those were the first three movies I watched. Then I watched Midnight Sky. We talked about that. Then I watched Soul. Uh, I watched Soul twice because I really did not like it the first time, and I okay. was just baffled why people liked it. And then I realized I'm the only person that just didn't like it at all. Yeah, and I've then, uh, I've seen a weird mixture of uh, everybody absolutely loving Soul, and then absolutely everybody hating Wonder Woman right now. So it's a yeah. I, I, is is Soul actually free on Disney Plus right now? Or it is they, free on Disney Plus. I, I think after Mulan, they're just like fuck that. We're just gonna release it on yeah. Um, because it is kind of uh, well, then, immoral. It sounds like I got to really. get on that too. Uh, but yeah, I I rewatched it literally the next day because I saw that like everyone was calling me crazy yeah. for saying that it's not good. So I rewatched it. I came to the conclusion that I was a bit harsh on it the first time around. It is beautifully animated, uh, and um. And, you know, it's got the best animation that Pixar has had yeah. ever, pretty much. Yeah, I've but, seen some stills of the lighting, and they looked uh, pretty pretty good. But the, the, the story feels like someone imitating Pixar, if that yeah. makes sense. It feels very formulaic and, and very like a computer essentially printed out the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my biggest pet peeve with it, it's a movie about a jazz musician but the score is electronic. The fuck are you doing, Disney? That doesn't make any god. Have a beautiful jazz soundtrack. You don't need to I was gonna say. Wouldn't that that would make the most yeah. sense out of it? Yeah, and and it's just it just doesn't make any sense. And I I hated that. That's honestly the most distracting part. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, Tina Fey, I love her, but she gives like the weakest voiceover performance I've ever seen. Oof. Um. But it, like I love her and everything except for it, that yeah. I ju- I could just see her reading the lines, uh, that's that's a bit harsh. It is better than that, but it just it doesn't fit her character in my opinion. Yeah, well I think um, uh, once once I give it a watch uh, sometime this week now that I know it's yeah. free on Disney Plus and I'll uh, we'll talk about it then. For uh, yeah, sure more. and um, yeah, I'll talk about there. There's an antagonist in it who. Uh, was honestly my favorite part, but also doesn't feel like it fits the movie. Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that further when you do watch it. But okay, uh, so Soul, I was harsh on it the first time. It's an okay movie. I don't think it's as great as everyone says it is. I was not as emotionally moved as I was hoping to be. Yeah. Um. So, and I watched it twice. So I gave it. I gave it a shot. Gave so, it a definite shot more yeah. than you would most things. Yeah. Uh. Then I, and that's only because it's Pixar. If it was regular yeah. Disney, I'd just be like fuck off. But because yeah. it's Pixar. I gave it a shot. Uh, then I watched a film called Eli. It is a horror movie uh, about this kid with an autoimmune disorder. He's like allergic to everything. His parents take him to this weird house mm-hmm. to uh, get healed, and he sees ghosts. And uh, for those of you who want to watch it, I won't say anything else. I didn't care for it. It's a fine movie, but yeah. it's, it it felt very uh, it felt very by the books and kind of boring to me. Yeah. Um, then I watched a, a comedy with, uh, with Kieran, uh, Kieran Culkin and Nick Offerman and a whole bunch of other people, um, called Infinity Baby. 
It's essentially about a world where this baby, this, uh, the government accidentally made babies who don't age. So oh they, they pay Lucky. people to take care of them and somehow it becomes a business. It's really weird. Also, now I realize after I said that they're not lucky. They're just stuck as babies. Yeah, but um, <laughs> it's a really weird oddball comedy. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed it for the most part. It's not gonna rock your world, but it's a it's a it's a short like hour fifteen minutes. So like if you're if you want to kill some time, yeah, it's a fine way to kill time. Um, and it's got Nick Offerman. So if you love Nick Offerman, he is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, then I watched uh, The Lost City of Children, which is directed by the director of Delicatessen, which we've talked about on this podcast, mm-hmm. and um, Amelie, and uh, a few other films that I've seen. Mick Max. Uh, other than that, I don't remember. And it's starring Ron Perlman. Oh. Yeah. And it's essentially about the these people trying to figure out who's stealing kids but it's like a dark comedy kind of way like the rest of those films um it's got a lot of people from those films uh like the the main guy in delicatessen he plays clones so Mm -hmm. there's like six or seven of them and he's really funny in it and it's a really solid film uh ron perlman's great in it and he speaks french so if you ever wanted to hear ron perlman speak french check out the lost children do now the city of lost children uh, then I watched Black Narcissus, um, which is a uh, film about nuns that uh, try to create a monastery or nunnery, whatever you call them. I'm not Catholic, so I don't know what you call them. Yeah. Uh, in in the Himalayas, and one of them starts like losing her mind, and it's really, really compelling. I really, it's for for back then, it was the the most believable dissension into madness i've seen from definitely the 40s and probably like you know from the 30s to the 60s -hmm. is just a really interesting character development uh and i i I suggest black narcissist that's pretty awesome uh i watched that on um criterion channel and everyone should get on that (laughs) then i was like i got one movie left to hit 366 so i gotta make it a good one yeah so i picked guillermo del toro's first film ever uh, oh. First feature film, at least, yeah, yeah. called Kronos. Uh, it's about this guy who who runs an antique shop, and it, he gets this device that makes him immortal, and uh, things ensue. Uh, surprise! Ron Perlman is in that one as well. So if you ever oh, wanted man. to hear Ron Perlman speak Spanish, check Ron out Kronos. Everywhere. Yeah, I didn't know he was in so many like highly regarded films yeah um, I, I've always loved Ron Perlman but I I didn't know he had like Just this story of a career that, yeah uh, but yeah and I'm, also I'm, so many different languages in his arsenal oh absolutely and he's he's really good in both of them I would say he's better in Kronos because he's playing kind of a dumb guy well no he's he's good in both of them but he's evil in Kronos and that's really yeah. you know Ron Perlman evil is great um, so yeah Guillermo del Toro's first film, really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so that was my 366 film. I've hit a movie a day, but I decided to keep going because I got nothing else to live for. Might as well. I watched Stanley Kubrick's first first film called Fear and Desire, mm-hmm. uh, 1953. Um, it is a war movie, essentially, about these uh, people, who's, th- these soldiers whose planes crash and they're trying to get back behind... Uh, you know, the front line onto their mm-hmm. side of the front line. Uh, it's very amateurish uh, because it is his first film. Like, yeah. if, if someone told me that this film was the first time he ever picked up a camera, I would not be surprised. That's not to say that it's bad. It's an it's a 
it's a good movie. Uh, it's not amazing, but you yeah. do see like the the little bits that became his style. Like yeah. one of the characters, like, say, it's it's also his first film as yeah. we know him as a legendary filmmaker. So yeah, exactly. Chronos uh, was uh, for a first film was definitely more um, uh, competent, but yeah. also by that time there's more information about as I how to say, make there a was movie. like how many years after yeah whereas fear and desire was a 1950s independent movie which was like not heard of at mm-hmm. all at the time uh, i i don't know if it was independent but it felt very independent yeah um and it's it's a it's just it's a good effort and uh got a great story uh you know un- stanley kubrick style of someone falling into madness yeah uh was really good uh then i watched the man who fell to earth the david bowie film not for me, really. Uh, I, yeah. I get, you know, especially if you're a fan of David Bowie, I get all the hubbub about it. Um, I think it's a little too much of a slow burn. Uh, I do love me some Bowie. I wouldn't yeah. mind checking that out. But <laughs> Bowie's in space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a fine movie. I, I'm more just disappointed because it, like, it's highly regarded. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's just not for me. It's not my style. Um, I think especially I, if it ended like 45 minutes before it ended, I would have thought it was a great film. Yeah. And then the last 45 minutes just kind of feel thrown together. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's okay. Um, but that's all I watched. Hopefully next week <laughs> won't be as many. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations on the 366 Thank you. or technically can, 368. Um, I can be more picky about the movies I yeah. watch now. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever do another one of those, to be honest. So congratulations to you and uh, Big Power. power I honestly right wasn't there. going to until I think I watched 100 movies between October and like halfway through November. And I yeah, was like, I this, can this was it. definitely a good year to do it. Yeah, so. definitely. Uh, but I'm just looking forward to watching a higher ratio of good films. <laughs> yeah, than just the random pick and the Easter baskets. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's jump into some news. Do you uh, have any news? I, uh, I got I a little have, bit of news. I do have a, a slight bit of news. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, movie and TV production advised to pause after an L.A. COVID surge. So it's bound to happen. Yeah. Um, here in Pennsylvania, we shut down for a couple weeks again. Uh, since March, um, and I mean, I guess there's, I don't know what LA's like, but obviously they've had a surge in Corona, um, and I assume the pause is only going to be for a few weeks, uh, like it states in the headline, um, they didn't exactly say when they'd pick back up, but obviously until those cases go back down, they are going to pause Mm -hmm. until further notice, you know. Yeah, the, the, uh, Daniels, directors of Swiss Army Man, Mm -hmm. uh, they're, their film was paused during the first part of the pandemic. Like right when it first happened, they were in the middle of shooting. I think they only had two weeks left and then they paused it and then they just finished it up um, like two months ago or something. Yeah. So I'm glad they got it done because I want to see their next film. Um, But yeah, LA is, I think that's mainly just because it's so populated. Absolutely. And it's such like a party city, like, Everyone socializes there. Uh, not that people don't socialize elsewhere, but it's yeah. like in well, LA, just, if you don't like, socialize, you're no one. Yeah, as I say, that's like the place to go and socialize yeah. and do things. All them big Hollywood parties yep. and such. <laughs> uh, a little bit of positive news for uh, movie theaters. Mm-hmm. 
Wonder Woman 1984 is the highest grossing film of the year. Well, not of the year, maybe of the year, but in, uh, definitely had the best weekend in box office returns yeah. for, for an opening week weekend. Uh, and it, it made $16.7 million domestically, and I think it was $84 million worldwide or something like that. Okay. Um, which is great news for movie theaters because it shows that there there is no way to make money um sorry it made 38.5 million i believe worldwide i don't know there's a whole bunch of different numbers i'm yeah. too distracted to read it but <laughs> it, it shows that nothing makes m- money for movies more than a movie theater yeah. and i hope studios recognize that and then after this godforsaken year uh, uh 2021 included because they have signed uh streaming deals at least with hbo max and warner brothers mm-hmm. um then we'll get back to strictly movie theater releases uh i do suspect that some theaters will probably close down but as long as not all of them do i'll be happy <laughs> yeah that would that would yeah. be nice i mean we're lucky where we live in a a um a populated area where you know I don't think will be affected movie theater wise, but some of the smaller regions will. Yeah, some of the um, other places might be. Bad. Which is a shame because they don't really. I mean, they're more outdoorsy people anyway, so mm-hmm. I'm sure they don't mind too much. But we, uh, you know, th- that was really their only form of seeing films is not driving 50 miles. Yeah, they only had to drive 30 miles instead of the the, the two miles <laughs> I have to drive. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm feeling a little bit optimistic. Uh, of course, they didn't release the streaming numbers, but there's no way that they made that much money for just Wonder Woman. Yeah, I, I did. Streaming. I did read somewhere that uh, Souls, or I'm sorry, Soul got more Disney Plus subscribers than Wonder Woman did. Yeah, HBO Max well, subscribers. The thing, the thing a lot of people need to realize is. Streaming does not help new movies. Streaming helps backlogged movies that are have already been released and gone yeah. through their financial arc. But when you pay for a month of a streaming service, if, even if you just sign up for one month just to say, watch there's one also movie, that monthly trial, yeah, as well. Uh, well, HBO got rid of their monthly trial oh, when they, they made this deal. Yeah, they, they got rid of it when they made made this uh, announcement. Um, well, that doesn't help. Yeah, they were like, what? "No one's going to get a free trial for one Woman." But the you can't make as many high budget movies as you do, or as they do, mm-hmm. with just streaming revenue. Yeah, because that you gotta you gotta make more for to make streaming worth it for people. You gotta make a lot of mo- a lot of movies. Looking at Netflix. <laughs> yeah, looking at Netflix, they make a lot of movies, but they, they make also a lot of money in movies. Yeah, but they also are smart and purchase movies and don't yes. just make them. Uh, studios need to make them. Um, so, I, I, again, movie theaters will absolutely downsize. I think it's long overdue. They should downsize. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're going anywhere. Yeah. No, it definitely needs to, they definitely need to stick around, but it, they will uh, subsidize quite a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that's all the news I got. You got anything else? I think that's it for me as well. All right. So let's get into the 39 steps. The very brilliant agent of a certain foreign power is on the point of obtaining a secret vital to your air defense. An enormously important secret is being taken out of this country by a foreign agent. There's a man leaving the country tonight with something. I'm just about to uh, 
convey some very vital information out of the country. Have you ever heard of the 39 steps? No, what's that, a pub? The 39 Steps. A man in London tries to help a counter-espionage agent, but when the agent is killed and the man stands accused, he must go on the run to save himself and to stop a spy ring which is trying to steal top-secret information. Ooh, nice. Mm. Directed by Alfred Hitchcock and written by Charles Bennett and Ian Hay, based on the novel by John Buchan, or Butchin. It's probably Buchan, Butchin. but I just wanted to say Butchin. Uh, it is starring Robert Donat, uh, Madeline Carroll, Lucy Mannheim, and Godfrey Terrell. And it is one of Hitchcock's earlier films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he started directing in the silent era. Yeah, 1923, 25 was his first feature. 1925 was his first feature. Um, so he, he Hitchcock was around a long time. Yeah. So this, this is like mid career for him if you can believe it most people know his 40s and onward films um but yeah this is a uh i think we both agree that we're probably not gonna have too much to say about this and that's not to say that this is a bad movie yeah it was just uh standard you know, there's yeah it's a standard especially out uh hitchcock movie um yeah. it's on his on his terms so i mean there's a movie there. It's not boring to say the least at all, but let's mm-hmm. uh, let's jump into it, shall we? Let's jump into it. Um, the the thing that I think sticks out most for for me at least with this one is not many of the actors are recognizable. Yeah, like I don't think many of them had careers past the 30s, and if they did, definitely not past the 50s. Uh, like Robert Don, uh, Donat died in 1958. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, he was the main character in this film. Um, which is a shame because he, he was, I thought he was really solid. He, uh, yeah. he was charming. He really carried the film in my opinion. He, yeah, my favorite, my favorite part of his performance was a part where he gives a speech in this like town hall in Scotland. Oh yeah. Uh, he, he definitely delivered that performance very well. Absolutely. Uh, and, and he's got like great comedic timing. The thing that sticks out most about him is he looks like someone that I know either, like another actor or someone I know personally, but I can't pinpoint it. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just that he has one of those faces. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he's a very like, he's definitely got the look. Yeah. He's, he's got the look, the look of the everyman, mm-hmm. which he's playing in this. And, um, but yeah, this, this film just kind of has the standard Hitchcock wit where, you know, dark things are happening, but there's still time for jokes. Like, Literally, yeah. I think like two minutes after a woman is murdered, uh, he they're jo- he's joking with a milkman about, you know, he's <laughs> lying obviously, but he says that he's he's uh, having an affair with another man's wife. Yep, and just just dark humor like that. Um, th- I don't know if people in the '30s were bonkers, but there's like a shooting in a theater. And the the director tells the composer to keep playing music to keep people from panicking. And I don't know if that's just a joke or if yeah. that's something that actually happens. I, w- I would assume it's it's part of the joke, but also yeah. it's the 30s. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just after the Roaring Twenties, so if something's roaring in a movie theater, they're just like, "Keep going, we're past it now." Oh, yeah, and uh, th- that opening scene with the trivia uh, guy, the guy, uh, I think they call him. What do they call him? The mind, the memory, uh, Mister yeah, Memory. Yeah. It's some, um, it was something like that. But uh, 
It's kind of a know-it-all. You, you know, it opens with the, that scene where uh, you, he, this guy who knows everything is just taking questions from the audience. Mm -hmm. um, and when a brawl breaks out, someone is like in the middle of the brawl and still asking the guy questions. Yeah. <laughs> it's just things like that that would never happen that like have a heightened reality to it. Uh, that was kind of Hitchcock's um, uh, signature, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that I think is probably the weak... The, the, this film, again, like we said, it's uh, mid-level Hitchcock, but it is early cinema in general where people were still figuring out things. Yeah. And because of that, it feels like clumsy storytelling in the beginning, mm -hmm. um, specifically with the the spy that ends up dead. Um, she goes home with uh, Robert Donat's character and they're talking and then it just cuts to him in bed and she comes in and she's been stabbed. Yeah, um, solid knife in the back. Solid know? knife in the back. Don't you hate it when that happens? Yeah, you just know, get I wake solid up and there it is, just chilling. But, like, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely clunky in that, in that sense. Um, at least in the beginning, I feel like it definitely smooths out yeah, further on. towards towards the middle and end, it gets better. But in the setting it all up, it was a little, it's a little jumpy from uh, time to time. Yeah. Um. Ooh, I'm still thinking about that knife in the back, man. It really hurts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um. But it, it it he does a good job. I know you said that I'm going to be talking the majority of this, and yeah. I'm I'm fine. Uh. I'm just looking at all my notes here. I knew that we would need notes, or at least I would need notes for this mm -hmm. one. Um, he 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 does a great job. Uh, Hitchcock does of making it believable that people would be willing to help this guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, the '30s were different, so maybe that was a thing that was just expected was, of people. Yeah, that was a huge thing in my mind too. I'm like, I would never just trust somebody with my whole heart as soon as yeah. I meet this person. Just just invite but someone also, in. We live in a generation now where, well, you shouldn't, <laughs> definitely. So yeah, yeah, definitely. So it was, it was, it was both understandable and at the same time like questionable. I'm like I wouldn't fucking do that, but also <laughs> yeah. But I also feel like he, he he did it in a way. He made the character charming enough where it was believable that people would do it, even in in today's standards. Like yes, you yeah. probably question it more than these characters, but like when he mm -hmm. spoke, you're like okay. You know, maybe in today's yeah. world, you wouldn't let him stay the night at your place, but you would let him in to get away from the people he was running from. Um, I think. Yeah, the, he had that, that little charm about him to like yeah. get away with that for sure. I think the biggest, my biggest complaint about this, and this, this is no one's fault. This is before color film was even a thing, but I really wish just for the, for those Scottish landscapes that this was in color. Oh, yeah. Because um, you could tell that they were just, like, gorgeous landscapes and shots, but mm -hmm. because they're black and white, they're not bad. They're just not as breathtaking it's as just, they yeah, could be. Yeah, it's just not as pleasant to the eyes, you know? Yeah. Um, I wonder if our... I don't want to say lack of interest because I, I, I can't speak for you, but I really enjoyed this film. Mm -hmm. But, like, our lack of any major notes of this is because a lot of spy films have taken from this yeah i think for me it's more of it's it's more it's not anything against the movie that i didn't write notes down and it's not anything like for this movie that i 
didn't write notes or anything. This was just, it was one of those movies where it was just okay enough to where I, I don't like hate it or love it. But I see a lot of inspiration from where this came from and like what, you know, came from it afterwards and so yeah. on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but, but with it being, um, I don't want to say early Hitchcock because it is the middle of his his career, but it is also early Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for for early Hitchcock, you could still see those those techniques he used to build suspense, mm-hmm. um, like specifically when he's talking to the guy who's missing his little finger. When they're talking about it, and uh, the guy. He he's talking, t- uh, telling the guy about the guy with the missing finger, mm-hmm. and doesn't know that he's talking to the man that he's talking about, and they just reveal the guy's hand, and he goes, "Was it his, Was it like this?" <laughs> it, it's kind of funny, but the way he, he he they shoot it too is pretty. If you didn't see it coming, it's it you know, yeah. I it was I could see 1930s audiences being like shocked by that. Yeah, um, definitely had its moments for sure where yeah. it, it like shined. Um, there was like one shot in particular where um, uh, Robert Dunn's character and uh, Madeline Carroll's character, or Carroll, um, they were both basically captured by those two detectives. Um, mm-hmm. Going back to the the the, the main villain here, um, and there was a shot where they're all talking in the car, and then the camera goes from like them talking in the car to like this sweep backwards while the car's driving away into like a landscape and i thought that was really really awesome especially for the time that it was filmed obviously 1935 i was like that's some shit that you'd see today yeah i mean hitchcock was always innovating like that he's mm -hmm. he's kind of like um at this time he was in england so he wasn't as well known in the states as he was england yeah but he is kind of like england's orson wells where he really changed cinema yeah. uh as far as techniques go um but that with when uh him and uh the characters Pamela played by Madeline Carol Madalina Madalina Miss Carol um <laughs> uh they are you know held captive by those um Detectives, they're thugs. They're not. I don't think they're detectives. I, I mean, maybe they are. I don't uh, remember. Like under the this the skies of yeah. detectives. Either either way, they are working for the bad guy, whether they know it or not. They're working for the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And when they get stopped by that flock of sheep, and the driver goes, "What is this?" and yeah. and uh, Robert Dunnig just goes, "Oh, it seems like a, a huge flock of detectives." I was <laughs> like, "That is a nice burn." 1930s every man um and really from there actually starting at like the the speech you were talking about earlier uh where you know it's kind of like that old uh, comedy trope where you're making you're mistaken for someone who needs to give a big speech Mm -hmm. um you know that i this was not the first movie to do that it's certainly not the last movie to do that yeah um but from then on, this movie actually became really funny because his character kind of had like a swagger to him mm-hmm. where he was just like ultra confident. I don't know if it was like he just didn't fear death anymore or if it was yeah, just he like... Was, he was definitely picking up on the fact that he needed to be that. Yeah. After like, you know, he couldn't just be his everyday man. He had to like... He had to technically be somebody, you know? He yeah. had to show that he was somebody. So, like, in this instance where he went into this town hall and took a seat because he wanted to listen in on what was going on, 
and then got mistaken. And also hide too. Yeah, yeah. And then he got mistaken for this. I'm pretty sure it was like sheriff or some some. He was something to get somebody elected. I think he was a military personnel. Yeah. Um, I but, don't uh, know for sure. He was either he was definitely law enforcement or military. I don't know which one. Yeah. So like he he was sitting there just hiding, scooping out, and then they all mistook him for this random guy because uh he was sitting in that guy's chair and that that other guy wasn't there yet so he was just like oh 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 i guess i'm doing it <laughs> and then he got up there and he he did the speech and he got everybody's attention and everybody loved him and then and then slowly they he backed the the crowd backed him into the two detectives regardless of how hard he was hiding or presenting yeah it was it was a really cool speech and like he definitely brought all of his um he was definitely not an indoor person, shall I say. Eccentric. There it is. He was being very eccentric <laughs> in that moment. Jesus, my brain yeah, felt real good and smooth for a second. Yeah, <sighs> absolutely. So, like, and, and, after after a certain point, this movie does pick up for me personally. You you know more than anybody that I'm not really that big into older movies. Yeah. Um, but I obviously... Much to I, my dismay. Yeah. I mean, it's not anything against them. It's just... Uh, the newer type movies the just f- hold more entertainment for me. No, I I, the, I agree. It definitely takes more of your attention to to follow an older movie, and that is because there is less flash as there mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, pretty much from the seventies on. Yeah. Um, even in some cases the eighties on. Yeah. Um, but th- I, I really enjoy old films. I grew up on old films. Uh, kind of know what i'm getting into every time i sit, wa- uh, watch one the funny thing about this is we watch this on amazon prime mm-hmm. and i would say the quality left a lot to be desired um at least on my end i don't know about you but that, yeah um yeah for sure <laughs> and that might be because when i watched this the first time i got it on a remastered blu-ray from netflix that'll do it and holy shit i never knew the kind of difference remastering did Mm -hmm. because especially to the sound like the sound was so much better on the remastered one the image was less shaky uh that's not to say like the version that amazon prime has is unwatchable but like yeah i was just shocked because it was if it felt like an older it felt like it was being projected through the internet, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, for sure. From an old print. Like you were watching it from somebody else's computer. Yeah, I, or I mean, I, I had, uh, I got it on Blu ray from the Criterion Collection the first time I watched it. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they know their shit. They're yeah. remastering the shit out of it. And, oh man, I got so many burps right now. Uh, Don't die on me, boy. But yeah, this is overall a solid movie. I wouldn't say it's as thrilling as a lot of spy movies. Uh, I will say it is more thrilling than Dr. No. Um, that's not to say Dr. No was bad, the first uh, James Bond movie, mm-hmm. but this is more entertaining to me than Dr. No was. Understandable. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the writing. Uh, but it all kind of spirals into this ending that I could tell was just 1930s studios and uh, forcing... Hitchcock's hand where he falls in love with this girl that he just met who has no reason to love him back. Mm-hmm. And then also the ending is extremely rushed. Oh yeah. Um, with, you know, in the last five minutes, they find out exactly what needs to happen and then it happens. Um, 
I see, and that's that's a trope for me personally. Like I know a lot of people might hate me for saying this, that a lot of older movies do somehow get rushed at the end. Like not not always, but a good majority of them do somehow get rushed yeah. at the end, and that's a it's a, always a takeaway for me because like you got this whole plot set up and then just yeah, boom, no, I, guy just I spills w- his beans and everything. <laughs> yeah, I would absolutely agree. It it, it is a, a trope of old movies. Uh, old movies back then were either too long or too short. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this, I feel like, would have benefited from an extra 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. But then there's also Even just movies, a mere 10. Yeah, even just like 10. Uh, but then there's also movies like Gone with the Wind that yeah. there's no reason it needs to be three hours long. And also, no reason it needs to be as racist as it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's it's just... This film is just... It exists. It's obvious why it's not one of Hitchcock's most renowned films, but it, I also completely understand why it's part of the Criterion Collection. Mm-hmm. It's one of those films that's kind of an anomaly where, like, I probably won't want to rewatch it very much, but in my opinion, and you might disagree, it's a fantastic movie. I just think it's kind of also a lackluster movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I, it's it's a great viewing experience, but it's not something that's going to wow you to the point where you want to rewatch it right away. I think, for me personally, I think the 20 to 30 minute mark, it was, it was boring. Well, not I wouldn't say boring. That's a little harsh. It was... It was, like you said, lackluster until that 30-minute mark, and then it picks up, and that's where I gained my interest. That's where I actually started caring about the movie and stuff like that because mm-hmm. things were picking up. Things were starting to get fun, and then, of course, the last five minutes just became rushed and overwhelmed. But there was a good portion of this movie where I was really solidly actually enjoying it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I do like them. It's not, like, a bad movie, but it's also not a fantastic movie. So, like, I'm yeah. stuck in that middle ground of, like, yeah. Yeah, I I can say this much, and this is the last thing I will say. Mm-hmm. Without seeing the other three films that uh, Streaming Roulette put on us before the film gods graced us with this movie, yeah, I can tell you that this is still better than those three movies. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely, actually, I'm not even gonna lie. I tried to go back and watch Dose, but I completely forgot what platform and what the original name for it was called. Oh yeah. Or but I didn't have enough also attention to watch. And I, I think it was subbed, so um, I didn't have the attention to watch Fox Bad either. So, oh, and yeah. I definitely wasn't watching Joseph and Mary. So, what you don't want to watch a Kevin Sorbo uh, cr- Christian film? If I wanted to do that, I just go to my grandmother's. <laughs> <laughs> real, real rap though. Uh, if you haven't already, you should check out that video I was telling you about um, that explains why Christian movies suck, mm-hmm. and it's it's made by a christian so it's not just like oh none of this is real anyway it's someone who's just like i wish they were good but Mm -hmm. they're not (laughs) um so let's just jump into it i feel like we gave enough there that uh, yeah absolutely so so for the judgment um this one might be one that we might disagree on maybe we won't but i feel like it could go either way uh i personally think and this is just if I'm honest, it's me fanboying mm-hmm. for Hitchcock. He's in my top five film of directors of all time. I think every Hitchcock movie should be on the shelf. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how good or bad it is, honestly. Most of them are, are really good. A lot of them are solid. And then 
I haven't seen one that I didn't like. I'm sure it's out there, but I haven't seen one. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt when I say this deserves to be on, on the uh, KFR shelf. Yeah. Um, let's see, it's tough for me, you know, because I do, I do like Hitchcock. I, I, yeah. It's fantastic, obviously. You won't break my heart either way, just yeah. so you know. <laughs> um, no, I know. I'm just, I just want to put it out there. Like, this yeah. wasn't a bad movie in the slightest for what I'm about to say. And I understand it, you know, gave a lot of inspiration to future stuff. But a solid 10 minutes more would have probably, honestly, much more blown me away than what I was, you know, actually given. And just because I like Hitchcock a lot doesn't mean that he also doesn't have the same standards that everybody else should have, personally. Fair. So, uh, as much as I did like a good portion of this movie i don't think it held enough leeway for me to put it over any other movie that also made me feel the same way you know yeah i got you so, i kind of expected that which is also again i did enjoy this movie and yeah. i want that to be very clear honestly my prediction that you were not going to make this a shelf boy mm -hmm. gave me more confidence in putting it on the shelf myself because i was like I'm like, if I say yes, he'll probably say no. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's not like we're getting rid of the sanctity of the KFR shelf yeah. with the likes of Apostle and Handmaid. And Handmaid. Uh, <laughs> which this does not join. Uh, but that, honestly, just me having a feeling that you were not going to say yes. Yeah. I was just like, ah, I'll say it because I like Hitchcock. No, uh, I, but, I don't blame you in the slightest. Yeah. So the 39 steps does not make it onto the KFR shelf, and that will put that into not a trash can we'll bury it <laughs> <laughs> whatever anyway so 39 steps does not make it onto the campfire shelf that brings us to our plugs for next week glenn mm. would you like to go first or should i uh no i can go first um so i accidentally left this off of uh what i had watched over the last week um so i'm going to talk about it now just like um last week how i plugged basically a whole uh, series I had just started getting into because my mom has been pestering me about it for the last two weeks because um, I gave her my Hulu account um, so this is going to be on Hulu just a heads up uh, Handmaid's Tale with oh. uh, Elizabeth Moss um, oh. so I've, I've heard obviously a lot about this show so far um, yeah. but I, I had been putting it off just because I'm a hipster and I don't get into like things people like that's, you know, that's a whole different ordeal. <laughs> but anyway, so I finally started watching it. And the first season is awesome. Like, it's actually a really good show. And it's yeah. kind of um, just kind of mind-blowing that something like this could happen at some point in the future. Just maybe not some of the parameters, but also that it also could. Um, and the whole the whole first season as a whole is excellent. Honestly, I don't need to watch the second and third or fourth, which it's going into soon, um, seasons. But that first season and the season finale, I don't know if you've watched it yet. I haven't. But that season finale and that whole episode is some of the best cinematography I've ever seen mm -hmm. in, a, in a television show. So, I mean, for me, the plug is going to be A Handmaid's Tale, the first season. You can do the whole series if you'd like. Um, listen, I'm not here to judge you. You do what you want. But that's going to be me. I was asleep before. That's how we let it happen. When they slaughtered Congress, we didn't wake up. When they blamed terrorists and suspended the Constitution, we didn't wake up then either. Now I'm awake, 
My name is Alfred. I had another name. Ladies, I have to let you go. It's the law now. They needed to do it this way. All the bank accounts and the jobs all at the same time. You imagine the airports otherwise? Run, run, run! Cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I, I feel like a lot of I feel that way about a lot of uh TV shows where I'm like first series or first season, amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't need the rest of it. Why are you continuing? Yeah. Um that's why I wish many series would make a comeback and not just continue. <sighs> I've already said it on the podcast, I'm gonna say it again. People want things to continue far too often. Yep. And they need to calm their tits about it, honestly. Absolutely. absolutely. This is uh, our platform. We're allowed to discuss that. I will watch that show at some point, but I just Mm -hmm. haven't gotten around to it. Um, For my plug, I got a question for you, Glenn. Okay. Who is the best Disney villain of all time? Who? Just give me an answer. We'll see. You asked me, and then like a whole surge of Disney villains rolled through my head, but I don't know any of them at the same time. Just name what movie has the best Disney villain. <laughs> I'm sorry for putting you on the spot like this, but uh can't say you've never done it to me, so. That's true. And I'm uh, just super stumped right now as to all the Disney villains. <laughs> oh, dude. Hades. Hades? Hades is awesome. Okay, that's a solid one. I will say he's up there, but he's not the best one. The best Disney villain and it's 100% because of his realism and how he could exist and does exist in real life, is Claude Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is also the most yeah, underrated... Funny. He was the next one. <laughs> yeah, he, which is also the most underrated Disney movie of oh. all time. Not Pixar, but Di- Disney. Yeah, in Disney as far as Disney goes, that is like one of my top tier like most underrated. Funnily enough, followed closely by Hercules. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Hercules is criminally underrated as oh, is Hunchback of Notre Dame but one thing I haven't seen Hunchback of Notre Dame in a, in a minute I mm-hmm. saw a stage production of it and still didn't register this but I also thought maybe maybe this was added after the fact yeah but there is a song performed by Claude Frollo in the Hunchback of Notre Dame is it Hellfire yeah it's Hellfire god damn right straight up not for kids mm-hmm it's about a horny priest who is blaming the person who's making him horny for being horny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's in a, in a, it's in a, a nutshell. Horns in that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is called Hellfire, as you have already spoiled. Uh, and it is just, it slaps, as I'm going to. It's, it's an amazing song. I'm is, part of Generation Z now. I can say it slaps. It slaps. <laughs> it, it slaps. What has Fiddler um, on the Roof done to us? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but it is just, it's honestly like. When I, I heard about this on my last week's uh, plug, which is uh, um, Films to be Buried With with Brett Goldstein. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how he, to this day, does not believe that this b- belongs in a kid's movie. But no. he's glad that it does because it's honestly a work of art. Uh, and it's called Hellfire. And it yeah. is just a great sequence. So just check out The Hunchback of Notre Dame Hellfire on YouTube. Just watch that. You can watch the movie if you want to. I mean, I but, would recommend doing that. Yeah, it's a great film, but I also haven't seen it in a while. But especially because I haven't, I didn't remember this, and I think everyone should check this out. Because I is... can also vouch for this plug that it is one of my favorite uh, Disney animated film songs, uh, yeah. right next to you know "Make a Man Out of You" from yeah. Mulan. But like, it's it's a great song too. 
mm-hmm. like just the melody of it. Honestly, just watch the whole scene. Watch the whole, the whole, the whole, watch the whole movie because just, it's, just watch the whole movie. <laughs> it's it's Alan Menken's best music out of any Disney movie ever. Yeah, in my opinion, like better than it's better than Elton John's music in The Lion King. Mm-hmm. It's it's better than Alan Menken's music in Beauty and the Beast. Just it's it's all phenomenal, and there's a continuing melody throughout, which makes a dark appearance in this. And it's I'm for it. I'm here for it. Absolute I, it, and. It slaps. Um, so <laughs> I'm trying to sound as stupid as possible when saying it. It's not my fault. I'm not to blame. It is the gypsy girl, the witch who set this flame. It's not my fault. If in God's plan, he made the devil so much stronger than a man. Protect me. Maria, don't let the siren cast her spell. Don't let her fire sear my flesh and bone. Uh, but that is my plug for this week. That brings us to my selection for our assignment next week. Uh, full disclosure, I've seen this one after watching a bunch of shitty movies mm-hmm. or mediocre movies for this past year from trying to get to 366. I'm trying to bring back some goodness into my you're, life. You're allowed to do this. And I saw that I don't think you've seen this, even though I'm pretty sure I asked you to watch it when we first met and I gave you a shit ton of movies to watch. Mm-hmm. You may have seen it, but it's not rated on Letterboxd, and that is Son of Rambo. It is um. uh, written by Garth Jennings, directed by Garth Jennings, starring Neil Dudgeon, Bill Milner, Will Poulter and Jessica Hines. Will Poulter's real young in this, just as a heads up, so you're not shooketh when you watch it. And it is about during is this, a long. Is this the one he was talking about on that podcast? Yes, yes, That's it is. Awesome. Uh, during which is also part of the reason why I, I thought yeah. about making this movie. Uh, during a long English summer in the early 1980s, two schoolboys from differing backgrounds set out to make a film inspired by First Blood, which is the first Rambo movie. Um, and that is on Amazon Prime. That's where you can check it out. And I can't wait to rewatch it. Yeah, I actually don't think I've seen this one. So yeah, I, was, I mean, you're pretty good with rating the movies that you haven't seen. Yeah, I also um, also or, went you know, on a rampage for like two days of to like making sure I rated each one so like we could keep up with each other on. Yeah, I did it. the same. I, I think there was like three weeks in a row where you said, "Oh, you haven't seen this one." I was like, "Yeah, I have." Where yeah. I, was just, <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I got to just rate everything." Boy making a film. Mm-hmm. Can we be in it, please? I will be star of your movie. Is this all right, Will? It's perfect. It's my film. You said it was my film. He's driving the Jeep for the getaway scene. Well, if I'm not needed, I'll be taking my camera back then. Don't be stupid. It's not you, it's them. I hate them. Look, I'm sorry, okay? Um, but yeah, that is Son of Rambo. That is going to be on Amazon Prime. As always, you can check out our website, KeystoneFilmReview.com, on Instagram, Keystone underscore Film underscore Review, Twitter, Keystone underscore Film, Facebook, Keystone Film Review, YouTube, Keystone Re- Film Review. I'm going to have a little montage 
of all the movies I watched uh, <laughs> sometime I, either January 1st or 2nd, so you can check it out. That'd there. be awesome. And then on Letterboxd, I am Mike KFR. And I am Glenn KFR. And that will do it until next week when we watch two boys murder each other. That's mm. not what the movie's about, but it's, uh, yeah. Might as well be. It's a kid making movies. Why Why do you think I like it? It's really mm-hmm. not that hard to, to decipher. Bye. Bye. Bye.